1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 163, BGG Hotness. We'd like to thank our Patreon backers for helping us bring you an ad-free episode.
0: You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing.
1: Find out more at DicetowerNetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris.
0: And this is Anthony.
1: Anthony is April Fool's Day when this podcast release, and no fooling, we are the biggest board game fans out there.
0: Yeah. It's not a very good joke, though. No, it's not. It's kind of the (laughs) truth.
1: Yeah, but if you expect actually a April Fool's episode where we're not going to talk about board games, I think that might disappoint most people, but this is kind of a reverse April Fool's Day episode where we actually do what we normally do, and that's talk about board games because we couldn't possibly do anything else because we're a little bit crazy about board games.
0: Yeah, yeah, we tried, and then it was just like, well, what if there was a board game about Spider-Man? Like, No,
1: no, 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 Spider-Man. <laughs> nope. Sorry, guys. Yeah, so we, we're, we're sticking with the board game theme, despite it being April 1st, and we have a great episode for you. We are talking about BGG's hotness, all the great new games that are currently going on that people are talking about that we want to talk about with you is part of our feature review. And But before we get into all of that, there's been a lot of great stuff that's been going on with BGG, and especially our recent March Gamer Madness Bracket Breakdown and Wrap-Up. So, Anthony... Watch take us to those final results again.
0: Yeah, so we uh, if you haven't listened already, check out last week's episode. Um, it was a full normal episode. We had some reviews, acquisition disorders, all the good stuff. But then we also kind of got to the bottom of that bracket, and uh, we had the final game come out on top, photosynthesis, which even we were surprised by, if I remember correctly. <laughs> which is funny because we're choosing the winners, and we had a contest going on. So we asked you guys to go onto Facebook on the website and punch in the games that you thought you would win in each of those matchups. And we had nearly 200 entries, which is awesome. Thank you, everybody, for participating. I know it takes a few minutes to fill that out, so that's uh, really cool of everybody. And the winner this year was Walker. So Walker won by a fair amount, actually. The The bracket, uh, the, the total number of points possible, I don't remember exactly what it is, like 1,400, 1,500. But his score was like 1140 which was a full 100 or 200 higher than the next person. So, Walker, thank you for listening and knowing what we like. <laughs> uh, Walker won uh, a Feast for Odin, so he got to pick a game of his choice from the bracket, and we um, had that shipped out there, and lucky for him, he lives in uh, a place where Amazon could deliver that in a couple hours, so he got to play that almost immediately. Uh, but yeah, thank you to everybody who participated. We will have another contest coming up this summer, similar to this one, for the World Cup. Um, We'll be doing that again like we did four years ago. So, yeah, if you're looking forward to another tournament-style bracket or where you get to pick the games that are going to win, that is coming real soon.
1: Yeah, I really do enjoy those bracket competitions, especially when they're based on theme or, in this case, about component. And this was really a lot of fun. So if you haven't listened to it, definitely jump back and check out those episodes. And as Anthony said, it came down to some... Back and forth picks, and the listeners broke that tie for this March Gamer Madness bracket. But Anthony, I enjoyed giving games away so much, and we talked about this for quite some time. And once again, this is no April Fool's joke, but we really want to send out more games to our listeners. And we would like to have some of your help on that. You already know that we have a Patreon account that allows us to bring these episodes to you ad-free. And we want to add a little more fun to the podcast in the way of giving games out so what we're thinking of doing and what we need your help to do is we are one-third of our way toward our goal which would be to give a game away every episode so right now as i said we're one-third of our way to the goal if you go to patreon for board gamers anonymous and you back at the producer level and we reach our goal every episode, someone from the producer level will receive a free board game. And we're hoping that once this gets going and once we start hitting that first goal, we can upgrade the game and even send out bigger and bigger and bigger games to everyone on Patreon. So check out Board Gamers Anonymous on our Patreon account and back at the $5 producer level. And not only will you get an opportunity to get a game each week, but you'll also get access to our our members-only Slack channel, where all our producers kind of hang out and talk about everything BGA and board gamers related. And it gives you, I guess, 24-7 access to us so that you can ask questions. There's great discussions happening there all the time. And you also get to vote on our Patreon-backed episodes that are for only for Patreons. So get on there, back at the $5 level, and you get all this cool stuff right away. And you get be part of a brand new contest that happens each and every week yeah this is gonna be a lot of fun
0: so uh, like chris said we've been doing this for thinking about doing this for a little while we're close enough that we feel like we could get there with your guys's help um and yeah the bonus episodes we'll have a new bonus episode in the, up in the next week or so uh from march and another one in three weeks for april and these are just for the producer level and higher i think there's a couple levels higher than that for for all you crazy backers out there who really want to help us out but yeah this would be a really cool way to kind of help us out, but then also possibly get something back. So it should be a lot of fun.
1: The more you're part of BGA, the more we can bring out content that you love to hear. And with that, don't forget all of our social media accounts, boardgamersanonymous.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and don't forget we have our YouTube account if you want to watch or listen to Board Gamers Anonymous there. So there's so much going on social media. Anthony, what's our question of the week? Alrighty, so we talked about this a little bit before the show. Asmodee...
0: always doing Asmodee (laughs) stuff, but they recently launched a new division of their company, which they do every now and then. (laughs) They're coming for you. (laughs) Watch it, Bonacore. They're launching Asmodee Entertainment. So last year, we talked about Fantasy Flight's Interactive, which is the video game division um, of Fantasy Flight. And there's Asmodee Digital, which is the app division of Asmodee. And now there's Asmodee Entertainment, which they haven't done anything yet because it's a brand new division of the company. But the goal is to make movies, graphic novels, basically other media from their IPs. And we don't know what that's going to mean yet, but I always like to ask people what they think it could mean. So the question of the week is, with the launch of Asmodee Entertainment, which hobby board game property would you like to see as a movie or graphic novel? So got a good number of responses here from people. Have a lot of interesting takes on this. Uh, You know, I knew that I'd get a lot of people would say they want to see scythe because i want to see scythe so i understand that um i think that one by far had the most responses but there's also a few other ones in here that i think could be interesting near and far as a graphic novel series really any ryan lockett game as as a graphic novel series that artwork style will be pretty cool (laughs) david said agricola only on netflix I, i don't know what that even would entail but a netflix series of agricola could be interesting uh time stories Anything that already has a story built in could be kind of cool. Andrew says, as comedies, either Cosmic Encounter or Camel Cup. Willie mentions Blood Rage. A couple people mentioned Terraforming Mars. Uh, And then we had Daniel, who gave a top five list of what he wanted to see, including, I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a bash on the new Star Wars movies or not, but Star Wars episodes seven to nine. (laughs) Twilight Imperium, which I think would be a pretty good one. Uh, Spirit Island. Aeon's End, and Sentinels of the Multiverse. So all these games kind of have a lot of backstory and theme built into them already in kind of their own
1: universe. I think that's kind of a good formula to build on. Um, What about you? What do you think? Well, I really like to see Abyss now, especially because the artwork is so fantastic. But the gameplay has this very Game of Thrones aspect to it where all of these powerful creatures are kind of maneuvering politically and militarily to kind of, you know, squeeze out the other person. And it's also got giant monsters. So, yeah, giant monsters and political intrigue. Game of Thrones, under the water. <laughs> I actually want to see, uh, I'm going to talk about a game later today,
0: Bunny Kingdom. Okay. Uh, that I think would be pretty funny. It's a Game
1: of Thrones with bunnies. Game Lennox, of Thrones of right?
0: bunnies, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, a Game of Thrones for the whole family.
1: Well, HBO is looking for the next, you know, Game of Thrones. So th- this could work out.
0: Yeah, yeah, with bunnies. Or Krakens. Make it happen. Or yeah. Krakens. Mm, bunnies and <laughs> Krakens. Bunnies versus Krakens. Go.
1: It'll be like Westworld. It'll open up with bunnies, and then the second season, will introduce the Krakens. Ah, genius. Kraken there you go. World. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that's everything for our question of the week. Let's get on to our acquisition disorders. So, Anthony, what are you looking forward to getting to the table soon?
0: Okie doke. So, for me... um. As is almost always the case, this game is up on Kickstarter right now, it is called Railroad Rivals. It is from Forbidden Games and classic designer Glenn Drover. And Glenn Drover designed one of my all-time favorite games, Empire's Age of Discovery, originally Age of Empires 3. And so this is not really that. This is a train game, um, auction bidding, tile placement, pick-up-and-deliver style game. And th- the goal of this is that you're building a railroad empire across America Placing out these tiles, putting these different city tiles next to other city tiles to create links between those cities, and then basically just trying to build out your own, you know, railroad using these tiles. So it's not necessarily like um, you know a lot of other train games have a map, and then you're laying down rail on the map. This one, you're laying out tiles and building the map. You know, kind of similar to Whistle Stop, but not even really because that still has the tracks on there. And this is definitely more pure tile tile building. And I love me some tile building, so <laughs> that mechanic right there, combined with the trains, and the trains are definitely part of it. You have the train pieces that are going out on the on the map that you're building. This really kind of cool retro late 19th century artwork um, that they're using here is kind of cartoony, but I like it. And you you got a game that I'm pretty interested in. It's uh it's a theme that I actually enjoy, but I'm not a big 18XX guy. And I don't think this is anywhere near on par, like 18xx weight-wise, but uh, this is definitely more of a family-style game. But I like train games. I like the idea of pick-up and deliver. I like route building. I like tile placement and everything that's related to that. But some of the games end up being just a little too much math for me, you know? Um, A little too cutthroat. And so when you lighten it up just a little bit and you get something like this, I'm interested. And so I'm interested to see how this one plays when it comes out. Probably next year, it looks like. But this one should be a good one.
1: Yeah, the artwork here is very unusual. I don't think I've seen a game look like this before.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of cool. I mean, it's it's cartoony, but it's like if you took a show or movie about building railroads in the 19th century and then turned it into a cartoon. Yeah. Glossy, modern, cartoony look. But then like you look at the city tiles and the stocks, and those look very old-timey. So you kind of have a mix between sure. the two. I really like it, though, because you got these little tiles like New York City, Los Angeles, and they have this kind of cool old-style calligraphy in there, a um, little picture of the city. So it's not super abstract, and it's got all the stocks that you know and love, B&O, Pennsylvania Railroad, all that stuff, in the in these different stock tiles that you're going to be collecting. Uh, so there are stocks, of course. It is a train game. There are wooden tiles if you get the Kickstarter, which is pretty cool. I like, can get upgraded wooden tiles. They're all, like, laser-cut. So... And it's not super expensive. I think the premium edition is like 50-something, and the regular edition is like 30-something on Kickstarter. So, yeah, that's on Kickstarter now. And it is up until April 10th. So you have about a week if you're listening to this. Yeah, if
1: I was going to back this, and I actually might now that you mention it. <laughs> the wood it's,
0: tiles look beautiful.
1: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, no. I know. I,
0: <laughs> I just found this one yesterday, and I was like, oh, tiling. crystal crystal like this. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But, man, those wooden tiles are beautiful. Like they—they, they, like you said, they laser etched out the cities inside the tiles. I really, really like those tiles. Oh, boy. All right, another <laughs> game. I've done it. <laughs> Damn you, man. All right, well, I want to talk about an upcoming expansion. It's not on Kickstarter, but it's an expansion that we've been waiting for really quite some times. So this is Seven Wonders Armada. Now, you know how I'm a huge fan of Seven Wonders. It's one of my favorite games of all time. And I know a lot of people do love Seven Wonders, but a lot of people don't because it doesn't really have the player interaction beyond, you know, your individual neighbors. It doesn't really spread out that much. Yes, there's cities that kind of hit everybody and there's Babel that does a little bit of just general effect, but there wasn't really anything where you could kind of manage or tamp down a a leader across the table Seven Wonders Armada actually brings that into play by adding an extra board to the gameplay. Now, this extra board is really interesting because it's going to be four different strips of colors across it. So you're going to have green, blue, yellow, and red. And once again, this is all a prototype, so this might change when it finally gets out. But they showed this off recently, and you have these really nice plastic boats. And basically what you're doing is you're investing in these shipping opportunities to, for one, increase your Navy. Now, by increasing your Navy, you not only militarily attack your neighbors, but you attack everyone else at the table. So this isn't very different than a normal military, but it has at least, once again, since this is a prototype, it has different levels of attack and defense. So it's not like, oh, you didn't get build any military, so you lose one point, big deal. No, it actually has higher negatives as the game goes on, so you really need to move your ma- your Navy up. Now, it's not just Navy and military strength here, it's also commerce. So you'll be able to move up your different yellow strips so for different opportunities to receive money and receive resources. There's also an opportunity to upgrade your culture and receive culture points throughout the game. And then finally, there's also exploring, which is great because if you are the person who wins that round, as far as exploring is concerned, you'll be able to explore a deck of a deck of island cards that will have different resources or special abilities on that that will play into the game. So that's really interesting. I like the civilization aspect here where you can kind of explore, right? It's one of those four X's that you don't see in Seven Wonders so much. So I really like to see that here. It looks to be a great components. It has some additional cards that come into play. So it shuffles into a regular deck. It doesn't make the game any longer, I guess, with the exception of checking certain phases. And it's just a nice addition to Seven Wonders. So I'm really looking forward to Seven Wonders Armada. It's a definite pickup for me.
0: Yeah, this looks really cool. Um, and I, I'm in the same boat. Where I'm like, oh, I'd love to expand this and play it more. But then I realize I still haven't even played Babel. So
1: <laughs> Ooh, yeah.
0: I know, like, the there's once you get up to like the four or five expansion mark, I'm like, I don't know if I need this many, but it does
1: sound pretty cool. Yeah. I like the extra exploring aspect to it and being able to move the ships up. I think kind of gives it a little table presence that the game really needs. All right. So that's our acquisition to disorders. Now to our at the table. So Anthony, what did you get to the table this week?
0: All right. So I mentioned how this would be the perfect game of Thrones for all members of the family. Uh, and that's bunny <laughs> kingdom. It's, so this is a funny game because I saw it being demoed way back at Gen Con, maybe. Um, it's a new Richard Garfield game from Yellow. And it's it's bunnies, right? And it's a full-size box game, so it's not like a smaller box card game type of thing. It's it's a board game from Richard Garfield. But it's got all these little bunny miniatures. It's an area control game, which are hit or miss for me. And I just wasn't sure. I, don't, I was like, nah and so i never picked it up i didn't really played it but someone brought it to game night a few weeks ago and i was quite intrigued by this game and i will tell you why the basic idea of the game is that you are a clan of bunnies and you are trying to gather the most resources build the most cities be the best bunny kingdom and you are spreading like wildfire because you're bunnies and there's a board with 100 different squares so it's a 10 by 10 grid and the grid is laid out by letters and numbers. And the are there's a big, giant deck of cards, a couple hundred cards. And for every single square on the board, there's a card that matches that coordinate-wise. And so what you do for each round is you will draft all, I forgot how many cards, I think it's 12 cards. You're going to draft those cards with everybody else at the table, and you're going to play two of them at a time. So when you draft, you take two cards, you play them. If you play a card with a coordinate, you put a bunny out. If you play any of the other cards, you just put it in front of you and you'll execute it later. And so these these include things like colonies that you're going to build, new cities, new resources you can put out. And there are ways to kind of upgrade. These are really the ways you're going to score points. Um, there's a, some scoring cards in there as well that benefit you in various different ways. You can also put camps out. If you want to reserve a spot for later, camp basically lets you put a building out immediately and kind of bridge a spot um, without necessarily having that coordinate. At the end of the round, you will then build your cities and put out your resources. Now, the way the game works in scoring is for every little fiefdom or kingdom or whatever you want to call them, um, you will score based on the number of spires because each of these little uh, miniature cities come in three different sizes one two or three spires multiplied by the number of different unique resources in that little area and there are three basic resources in the game and then like a whole bunch of kind of rare and precious resources um, like diamonds and stuff like that and the the goal here is to build out multiple of these areas but then get good multipliers in each of them and so get the cards that allow you to upgrade wherever your bunnies are and put better, you know, cities there. Um, But also make sure you get some good resource availability. Um, You often will be speculating on areas and kind of build around. Hopefully you can connect it later, but you have to help people pass you the cards that let you do that. There's a little bit of hate drafting that happens here. Someone could look at the board and see that you really need A7. And they're like, I'll eat this card, you know, because they don't want you to get A7. But at the same time, it's not a super mean game. Like most area control games you play, there people could take your guys off the map in some way this game they cannot once you're on the map you're on the map and that's really cool because you can kind of just work towards your own strategy you can block people you can get in the way you can do things that hurt them Um, like any area control game you're fighting for territory but no one's going to negate the work you already did which is important to me (laughs) in a game that's the one thing i hate the most about games like this is you know someone negating two or three of my turns so the game is very quick we're talking less than an hour here to play through all three, four rounds of the game. And it's relatively easy to teach. You just show people the four different types of cards. You draft them. Boom, people have it figured out by the end of the first turn. It is really, really good. It's probably what I'm going to consider it like one of my go to gateway mid level area control games now. And I just, I'm going to keep it around in my bag because it's the kind of game you could throw out as you know a quickish game in between bigger games it's a good game to introduce people to who come to game night who are not really big gamers and maybe they've only played Katana or some of the other stuff more other gateways you're not gonna like hit them over the head with something heavy it's not super mean but it's a little mean so they get the idea of an area control Um, this is definitely a buy and i was very surprised by it because it's it's cutesy but um, (laughs) i really really like it and the theme actually works quite well because of how many bunnies there are and how they spread out But also the cards are hilarious. You know, you've got like Braveheart Bunny going down the hill trying to take people out and all these hilarious little bits of artwork that they put on the cards. Um, Very colorful, very interesting game and kind of a surprise that I don't think enough people are talking about. So Bunny Kingdom.
1: Yeah, this is something that I actually passed up on a little bit because, as you said, it seemed like a much lighter, you know, kind of silly, simplistic game because it was bunny kingdom and that seems like that would be something that you know a kids company would put out but more and more the talk has just started to kind of leak through that this is actually has some serious depth to it and i'm really happy to hear that too
0: yeah it's a funny thing because it is a family game like i feel like i could play this with my son who's not quite seven years old and it would work like i think I think the box is 12 and up, but the community on BGG says eight and up. And I think that's fair. Like it is totally accessible for the whole family, but there's enough depth here. There's enough you can think about and try to manipulate and play with on the board because it is area control and you're building these different areas that it's legitimately fun for people at a game night. It's not an actual like full-blown family game. So Richard Garfield has done it yet again, found wow. a way to turn a very simple game into a game that even gamers could
1: like. Sounds great. All right, well, the game that's been hitting my table recently is, I guess, would be a modern-day classic that recently received a reprint not too long ago, and that's Aura at Labora, or Aura and Labora, which I guess is the recent reprint They kind of slightly renamed it. But basically, it's an Uwe Rosenberg game that comes down to prayer and labor. And this game is all about monks that are building up a little medieval-era land by constructing building gaining resources it's a uve rosenberg game you know about this but what this game brings that's a little different and a little similar is it brings in a really interesting rondelle mechanic which is all about the resources so typically in a game you have to put resources on the board as certain areas kind of build up resources here it has this really interesting dial mechanic which allows the resources to gain more and more without having to put more and more on the table. Basically, this little dial kind of moves around each round. It's basically the round marker, and it helps you keep track on who's the first player, and that's very important, which I will get to in a second. But as the resources kind of are consumed or not consumed, the longer they hang back and the further the dial moves forward, the numbers on the dial on the back end start to become higher and higher so a piece of wood that no one took really early on now that the dials moved started at two and now it could be at four or at six and now is really the right time to strike so it's almost like a little bit of a market mechanic or press your luck situation where you see a resource is gaining value and you could grab a whole handful of it but you're not too sure if it's available going to be available much longer because Someone else might grab it. Everyone has access to the same resource pool. But basically, the game is just like every Uwe Rosenberg game. You're going to have your own individual map board that's just basically going to start with some basic land that you're going to be able to play cards to. And these cards are going to be buildings that are going to allow you to exchange resources and upgrade resources. Now, this game is very similar to uh, Lahav Hav in a lot of ways, including the dial mechanic, which is very similar to the two-player game, And it's also very similar to Agricola as far as building up this little settlement area and Agricola's Farmers of the Moor, which starts off with these cards that are kind of going to block your way, which are basically going to be tree cards. Are they going to be marsh cards? And you need to kind of clear up those areas, but you get resources for that. So there's a little bit of a bonus there, but it adds a little thematic gameplay as far as having to clear the land in order to build buildings. Now, basically, these buildings are going to come in two types. They're going to come in as far as the basic buildings that are going to be able to exchange resources for other types of resources, and the special monastery buildings are going to have a yellow banner that have to be placed next to each other. Now, what's interesting about the game is not only are you just taking the resources and building the buildings based upon what the resources are needed, but you're going to add different types of tile to your own tableau. So you can actually add coast tiles that are going to give you coastal lands that are going to allow you to build special coastal buildings. And there's also mountainous lands and mountain lands that are going to allow you to add those specific buildings. So if you want to quarry stone, you're going to have to do it at that end. Now this game, like I guess like we talked about earlier, uh, Feast for Odin, has a lot of chits to it. And the chits are double-sided, so it's a little manageable, but you have to make sure that everything is kind of kept properly otherwise it gets a little bit out of control but basically the game comes down to a very simple mechanic where first player is going to take an action they could take resources they can build a building or they can use someone else's monk or i guess abbots to kind of use their own building so you don't only have access to your buildings but you have access to everyone's building but you have to pay a little bit of a cost for that so if you didn't get that building that you really needed not to worry you can use someone else's building and kind of keep them away from using that building, at least for a turn or two. So once you make that decision, build a building, use one of your people to activate a building or take resources, everyone else is going to take their turn, comes back to you, you will take one additional turn, and that's it. Next player takes one turn, goes around, and they take the last turn, and that's it. So the game moves very quickly, but once again, the dial really keeps track of everything. And then at certain points in the game, you're going to pass this blue building marker, that's going to allow you to build a special building that's going to allow you at the end of the game to activate the buildings around it to score additional victory points. The game pretty much is, you know, Grickle, Le Havre, you know, Glass Road. It's basically about exchanging resources for better and better resources, scoring victory points. You don't have to feed your people, which you know, Anthony be happy about it is a really solid, fun game. Doesn't take up a big footprint, but you do have to have the boards close together or a labor is a buy. It's a very, very solid game and something I would recommend, and it's really fun to play. Yeah. Now, if only you could buy it somewhere. Yes. It's been out of print for just a little while, but it did come back into print before, so I'm sure it'll come back out to print again. That's true. Asmodee owns it now, right? Yes, so they do. They will print it. Yes. And it's... I should also mention, not just are the the little resource chip cards double-sided, but also the building cards are double-sided. So you can actually have two types of gameplay. There is an Ireland side and a France side. Not radically different, but gives you a different play experience because it's different buildings come into play. All right, so that's everything to our At the Table. Let's get on to our feature review. So for our feature review this week, we are talking about the hotness, in gaming we're talking about board game geeks hotness list Anthony's going to run through the list tell you what games are up there and why they're hot and deserve to be on your radar all right anthony take it away okie doke guys it is that time of the month again uh, we
0: are recording this right at the end of march so this is the end of march hotness number one on the list this month is a re-implementation of solstice fall of empire from grant Rodick and colossal games uh, it's called Imperius. And it is on Kickstarter right now. So that's why it's up here, but it is all the way up to number one. And I think that's because it has some cool-looking artwork, got a little bit of hidden information mixed in there, secret unit deploy, all that secret stuff and drafting, people love that stuff, um, especially off Kickstarter. So uh, that's one to check out if those are the kind of games you enjoy. Uh, number two is, I'm not even gonna make the joke this month. It is Gloomhaven. That is all. Uh, number three, Railroad Rivals, which I talked about earlier in the episode. Uh, Again, this game looks really, really cool, and it is currently up on Kickstarter for another week or so. Um, Another Kickstarter here at number four, Dinosaur Island. Uh, The second Kickstarter for this game is up right now, so you can back this and the expansion and the two-player edition of the game if you missed it the first time around and want the fancy coins. Uh, Number five is another Kickstarter game, Rising Sun. Uh, This thing is hitting retail, I think, in the next couple of weeks. And that is why, well, I don't know if that's why it's all the way up here. It's up here because everybody just got their copy, but it is also a really, really good game, which we'll be talking about more in depth in the very near future. Seventh Continent is back up on the list. It's been on the list, but it's jumping up here a little bit, and that's because they're starting to ship out um, copies of the second wave from the Kickstarter that was held last year. So, Everybody who missed it the first time around got to back it the second time. They made a ton of money, and now those are starting to ship out. So people will be getting those very soon. Azul, this is the uh, tile lane game from Plan B Games, and it is finally back in print after a short delay. I think it was not available for a few months there. Uh, I know my store has a ton of copies in stock now. Uh, so this one jumped up as well. Very, very, very good game, and um, well-deserving of being anywhere on this list. Next up is The City of Kings. This is a big, epic, um, cooperative game that was launched on Kickstarter last year by Frank West um, and The City of Games, a new publisher he started. And it is kind of what you'd expect, one of those giant, modular, multiple storytelling style of of cooperative game that really wouldn't work anywhere but Kickstarter. I've seen a couple copies from a, a... local people who backed this tons and tons of content only heard good things have not had a chance to play it yet though uh next up is Dinosaur island this is the aforementioned two player version of dinosaur island and i've heard a couple people ask why do you need a two player version of dinosaur island that game plays perfectly fine with two and it's i guess the same reason you have two player versions of caverna or you know agricola or any of those other games you know that are decently heavy and big, and you just want something smaller and more bite-sized if you're going to play with two. Um, I agree, Dinosaur Island plays pretty solidly with two players, uh, but this also looks like a very good and different game. So um, a good way to get your dinosaur on with just a couple people. Uh, Next up is Unbroken. So Unbroken is actually a solo-only game from Artem Safarov, and uh, an Altima game's And uh, Jason actually did an interview with Artem uh, on uh, Every Night is Game Night in the preview series uh, just this last week. So if you want to hear more about this or about the development process, you can over there. But it's a solo game. It's kind of a, you know, the dungeon crawly style theme, but some interesting twists to it. Um, So definitely worth checking out. If you like solo games with dice and a little bit of press your luck elements to it, um, this is one worth checking out. Terraforming Mars is next up. And this one is just perpetually on the list because it's awesome. But also, the app is almost up on Steam Early Access. Should be able to play that very, very soon. And there's the new expansion that will be coming out here in the next couple months. So lots of content for Terraforming Mars, which is going to keep it up here. Um, Next up is Feudum. Feudum is a Kickstarter game that um, was backed last year. Um, I did actually back this, so I have a copy of it sitting here somewhere in my office. And it is a big fairly fairly heavy euro with some really goofy theming not goofy Uh, goofy's not the right word but interesting unique it's medieval but it's very colorful and different and dreamy kind of a fever dream style of game and it is decently heavy i've not quite gotten it to the table yet because of that it's a it's a bit of a bear uh, to get through but it backed to everybody everybody got their copies and so i know people are playing through that And that's why it's up here on the list right now. Arkham Horror the Card Game, always on the list, but they got a new pack in last week. So everybody got their monthly fix of this one. And so they're all on there talking about that. Beard Island, up here on number 14 on the list. I'm not aware of any new content here, but uh, it's just a really solid Euro-style heavy cooperative game. Um, My favorite co-op game. And uh, well, well well-deserving of staying on this list as long as it happens to stay on this list. And then the last one is the mind. This is a uh, a game that it's a card game similar to the game in which you have a deck of cards numbered one to a hundred, and people are trying to complete different levels depending on how many players you have and how difficult you want it to be. So it's similar in ways that you're trying to collect these and organize them the same as you would um, in the game, but a little bit more going on there it's cooperative very heavily based on hand management Um, looks very interesting i'm excited to see how it plays not aware of a u.s release yet but i know it's out in germany so that's why it's up here as uh people are pretty interested in this one um and there you go that is the
1: 15 games at the top of the hotness right now all right well that's everything for this week until next time this is chris and this is anthony and we'll save you all a seat at the table